Hey, welcome to the C3 Church Victory Podcast. We pray this message will inspire you and activate your faith. Thanks for joining us. How are we this morning? We're good? Well, yes, Jim. I heard Jim's voice somewhere. I can't see you, but I heard, oh, up the back there. Nice work, Jim. Yes, Scripture says no man is good. That's why I know you say that. That's why, that's why Jim yells out, I'm well, everyone, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> hey, it's good to be with you this morning. Who's had a good week? It's getting warm. It's getting warm. Who's got the shorts out? The Crocs. Who has Crocs? Who owns Crocs? Oh, we've got some Crocs owners. Woo. Groundswell's coming, you know. I, I've, I've been seeing more and more people in Crocs. I'm like, maybe I should give those a go. Like, my feet get hot too. And... Um, I'll have to ask someone for a testimonial on Crocs, but anyway. It's getting warm, isn't it? It's going to be humid, but summer's coming. Who's excited about summer? Who loves summer? Yeah, summer's good. I think each season kind of lasts long enough for you to look forward to the next season. God's like timed it just right. It's like, oh, I look forward to winter. I like winter. But then it's like, oh, it's getting a bit, I'm sick of winter. I'm looking forward to some sun. And it's just perfect, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's Newcastle, though. We've got some pretty good weather. Gee, it's pretty good here. But anyway, it is good to be here this morning um, uh, and continuing our series on Forever Young. Does anyone, I don't know the artist of the song, but whenever I think, think of it, Forever Young, I think of that, Forever Young, I be forever. Yeah, I don't want to keep singing um, because I don't want to get asked by the worship team to join... Be, yeah, I don't want to, yeah, I don't outshine anybody. <laughs> Is that Evermore? Oh, pff, don't worry, we're going to go play that game. Um, Forever Young has been an incredible series. Pastor Nate kicked it off in our first week, episode two, by Pastor Mel last week. So if you've missed those, make sure you catch up on the podcast. It's an incredible start to the series. And uh, shout out to Pastor Nate and Rach. They're on a family break so uh, shoot them a text and say, I hope you're enjoying a great break. We're praying that they're refreshed and uh, just ready and kicking for the Christmas season. And uh, But I, I tell you what, I absolutely love our lead pastors, Pastor Nate and Rach, and we should be praying for them. We should be encouraging them. I just love that they are leading us in a great direction, and they listen to God. Like, they actually listen to God. And they are leading us in the direction God has for this community. So be rest assured, be confident uh, that we have good leaders. They are incredible. And I feel blessed to be able to, uh, that they let me preach. Gee, you know. Um, so shout out to Pastor Nate Rach. I'm not sure if they're watching, but if you are, good to see you. Let everyone know you're in the comments, stuff like that. But we are kicking off, not kicking off, we're continuing forever young. Now our key Scripture for this series is Ephesians 4, 11 to 15. So get your Bibles out, get clicking. Ephesians 4, 11 to 15, it'll be on the screen. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, 
tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning, the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Chunky bit of scripture. Whew. Need a bit of water after that one. Ephesians 4, 11, 15. How good is that? I mean, there is so much to unpack in that that it would take like, like a five-week course in like doctrinal theology stuff, you know what I mean? But this, we're kind of unpacking it slowly over many weeks and we're talking about maturing as a believer. Maturing not just as, a, as an individual believer, but like maturing as the body of Christ as we mature together, we mature as the body of Christ. We mature as a community of people. And right here in Ephesians, uh, we're being encouraged to mature. And so this series is called Forever Young because we know that we, we live in a culture that is obsessed with staying young. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I want to stay a bit young. Like, I, like, come on, let's be honest. Like, I want to, I, I I've seen those Instagram, you know the Instagram... Um, I don't know what you call them, but they're a post, a post. I know there's lots of different Instagram things. It's a post and it's kind of like you, sl- you slide across, but it's celebrities and it's like the celebrity 30 years ago and then there's like, you know, the celebrity now and, the, and you're meant to get excited about how much they look the same. And I'm going to be honest, like a little confession time here, like I, get, I like those. I don't know. I get really excited and I'm like, ooh, let's see, like Johnny Depp, nah, you haven't, he hasn't aged that well. Like he's, he did for a while, but you know, Johnny Depp, no. But there's, there's different celebrities and I love it. I'm like, it gets me hooked in, hey. Like I'm like, whoa, gee, I tell you what. And I celebrate. I'm like, that man, like Pharrell Williams, I don't know if you know Pharrell Williams, that guy doesn't look like he's aged in the last 30 years. That guy looks exactly the same. And uh, he actually, like every celebrity is lately, uh, releasing his own skincare line, <laughs> right? But it piques my interest, I'm not going to lie. I'm like, Pharrell, like, Pharrell's looking 30 years, he looks the same. He's got a secret, and now he's selling it. I'm going to look into this. And uh, obviously my wife, you know, has got a skincare routine. And um, so I'm going to be honest, fellas, don't hate me or judge me, but I've, I've been dabbling and interested, you know, like, <laughs> all right, just dabbling. Uh, I want to steward my face well. Um, I want to sow so that I can reap, you know. Um, but it's too expensive. Like, look, let's be honest. Like, I'm just going to drink water and eat vegetables and hope that does the trick because it's expensive. I'm like, man, I can't afford that. But I, I dabble and I like, you know, going if I'm bored, I just get all Jess's stuff and put it all on at once. Like, just do your work. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what that does, but it's meant to go on your face. You know, I think there's steps. Um, but I, you know, I want to look young, but we're, we live in a culture that's obsessed with staying young. Adolescence is extending, like, into, 30, into the 30s. Like, adolescence at one point in history didn't exist. Like, it didn't exist. It was like, you're a child, and now you're a man. You were a child, and now you're a man, and you take responsibilities, and you shoulder responsibilities, and you grow, and you stretch into those responsibilities. It wasn't like... Hey, have 15 years off and, um, I don't know, play video games in your mum's basement and, um, and then wonder why you can't get a girlfriend or something. I don't know. I don't know. Like, don't throw too much shade, but 
But there's a celebration of youth. And I think it's fine to be young at heart. It's fine to, to you know, we've got, we got characters in Scripture like Caleb who, like, a long time, he's like, he's ready to go. Like, 40 years later, he's like, I'm still ready to go. He's got a youthfulness. It's okay. But when we celebrate immaturity, something is wrong. Like, if I was to, if I was to put up an Instagram post of, of me, Simo, when he got saved, I don't know what that looks like. Um, I could show you some old photos. <laughs> Uh, no facial hair, but anyway, Simo, when he got saved, and whatever, like, that looks like spiritually or whatever, and then Simo 30 years later, and if that was to look the same, we're not, no one's celebrating that. Like, we're not like, oh, good job, you spiritually didn't, you didn't mature as a person in 30 years? You're amazing, what's your secret? Like, we're not celebrating staying immature, we're celebrating progress, we're not celebrating perfection. We're celebrating progress. We're celebrating we're all on the journey. We're all in process. We don't, we're not, we're not going to be perfect, but we're on the journey to grow. We're on the journey to allow the Holy Spirit to mature us and grow things in our life, right? And so this series, we're, kinda, we're looking at the dashboard of our life. Imagine all dashboard. And we're looking at different markers of maturity. Now, we could go on forever if we were to talk about all the aspects of maturity, but we're selecting a few. And this morning, the kind of on the dashboard of our life, the, the, the marker of maturity that I want to talk about this morning is the idea of confidence. And if, I, I imagine it like a little speedo thing, you know what I mean? Like a little, because to be self aware, we need to look at the dashboard of our life and, and we need to be aware of, like, am I growing? Am I growing in this area? Am I growing in that area? How's that going? What's that like? And we need to ask the Holy Spirit, like, Lord, show me, like David talks about in the Psalms, like, Lord, examine my heart, like, show, show me the things that I need to grow in, that I need to allow you into my life to speak to and, and help me with. And so this morning, when it comes to confidence, how's your, how's your meter? Is it like, mine's a bit like this sometimes, <laughs> like, it's, it's not good, it's good, like, who knows sometimes, or it's, maybe it's like, there's zero, zero confidence, or maybe you're like, red line, you're like, you're a super confident person, you're like, woo, that guy's confident. Um, but I think in our life, when it comes to growth and these markers of maturity, you know, there's ups and downs to our seasons of life, 100%. There's good times, bad times, suffering, there's, there's great times, and it goes like this. But if we were to zoom out, and I kind of think of a stock market graph. If we were to zoom out, when you zoom out from a stock market graph from the one day where it's like doing these ones, and you to zoom out to the five-year period, you'll see that all these little ups and downs have an upward trajectory going up into the, the, yeah, the right corner. For you, it's this way, I guess. It's going up. There's lots of little ups and downs, but in the long term, we're going from glory to glory. We're going up. We're growing in Christ. We're maturing in Christ. We're becoming more like Him. There's ups and downs along the way, but if we zoom out, we're going up. We're going on an upward trajectory. So don't be discouraged if it hasn't been a good year, good week, good day. I'm doing the Friends soundtrack, actually. Is that not even planned? But we're going, oh, seriously, it's not. Um, it's going up. We're going in an upward trajectory. So this morning, I want to talk about confidence in our life as a believer. I don't know about you, um, so if we're talking about Forever Young, I want to I zoom back to like the year 2000s. It was a year, I was like in high school, that was like year seven for me, year, like 
I don't know, 2001 maybe, like Avril Lavigne is on the charts, Skater Boys playing, My Life is Tony Hawk Pro Skater, who else relates, come on, uh, like Tony Hawk, it's like, it's the year where, like, I mean, loose baggy jeans are coming back, but it was cargo pants, I remember like, mum, I need some cargo pants, um, with the pockets, and, and, um, and I want to throw a couple of brands at you. Some of you might be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But if you were in this area, you would know. Like, skating was huge. So brands like Osiris, Etnies, Globe. Like, these were the brands. And uh, and I... Yeah, people... Yeah, people... I don't know. If they, are they brands still? I don't know. They're they still brands? Anyway, they had... The cool thing was... This was the cool thing. Is, like, huge shoes. Like, shoes were huge and padded... And, like, the fatter the tongue, the better. Like, don't tighten your laces. Like, huge fat tongue. It was like a, it was like a, a status symbol, walking around with fat tongues on your shoes. Like, and you didn't tighten them up. No, they're loose. Like, like, almost like slippers. I remember sliding them in. And, like, year seven, everyone's getting their shoes. Like, you kind of like, I need to get, to be confident, I need my shoes, right? And I was like, I needed to get, I wanted some Etnies. Some, like, yellow and black Etnies. I'm drawing Etnies logos on all my notebooks and the tables and cool S's and all that kind of thing. And um, I got my Etnies shoes. And I tell you what, I felt more confident than I ever felt when I got my Etnies shoes. My Etnies shoes and my cargo pants. But the one thing that I noticed in high school is that there was, in this era, I don't think this exists anymore, like, it might, but there was a confident walk. There was like a way to walk with these shoes, this combo. Like it was like a skater walk, I don't know, but like this is kind of how it went. I don't know if anyone remembers. You had your big fat shoes, they were comfortable, they were great, your cargo pants. But the walk was this, like it was kind of like your legs went before your body, before your torso a little bit. And you had to, you had to splay your feet outwards like this. And I'm going to go this way because the camera guys will not like me if I go this way. But it was kind of like, it was like this. Like, is that good? <laughs> that, that was like, that was the walk to do. And you like, I remember entering year seven and get my shoes and seeing older guys. I'm like, I've got to learn that walk. Like, I had to learn that walk. I, that's, to be cool, I've got to walk like that. And I remember... Like, it was weird at first, and I got used to it over time, but, like, that was the cool, confident walk, right? And it's funny, there's all kinds of walks, you know? If you really study people, there's all kinds of walks, and, I mean, I don't know if anyone does that now. Does anyone still do that? If you do, I, if I see someone at the shops doing that, I'm just kind of like, that like, looks like my son when he needs a nappy change. I don't think... <laughs> I don't know if there's a cool walk anymore. Please let me know if there's a cool walk, but there's, like, there's the defeated walk... You know, like shoulders down. You see someone walking around like this, you're like, gee, that guy's not having a good day. Like, something's up. Um, there's the overconfident walk. Like, it's like when they're like real fast and, um, you know, real estate agent or something. And um, <laughs> I love real estate agents. But they have a confident walk. There was a guy at my, in my office that used to have like a stressed out walk. Like, and it was, he used to go down the corridor to the printer. But he was like, with his walk, he was trying to communicate to everybody that he was busy, he was important, and he was stressed out. And so you'd hear the chair, like, come out, and then you'd just hear him, like, huffing and, like, like you know, just, like, pounding his way, and you're like, oh, so-and-so, you know, a lovely guy, but he's like, so-and-so is trying to let everyone know that he's busy and stressed out. And so he had like, a busy and stressed out walk, right? And there's all kinds of walks. 
And my point is... <laughs> oh, another kind of walk, actually. <laughs> is the distracted walk. I, I, so I looked this up. NRMA did like a study of all the people, they watched people who were distracted walking across the road. You know, like, we're obviously walking across pedestrian crossings, across roads and things. There's the distracted walk. And they calculated like some large percentage, uh, I don't have them here, but a massive percentage of people are distracted and getting hit by cars because they're distracted, right? They're, they're focused on something else. And they got the distracted walk, and they did it. They actually got someone with a high vis shirt that said "seeing eye person" as a joke, and they gave. They would go up to people's smartphones and give them the lanyard, and people would be like, "Oh yeah, cool." So they would hold the lanyard so that they could confidently like be on their phone, knowing that the seeing eye person is looking out for them as they're walking around. Like it was a joke, but people thought it was serious. And I was like, "That's pretty funny, actually. That's pretty good." But my point is, and my question to you this morning is. Do you have a confident walk within the Spirit, in your inner person? Like, I'm not talking about the, the, the cultural, the world's version of confidence is that thin layer, that thin projected layer that is, that is just kind of an avatar of our life. You know, we project confidence, you know, Tony Robbins style, you know, like, um, be confident, say these things. Do it. No, I'm talking about, do we have a deep soul confidence like a, a real deep inside, it's not about how we walk, it's, it's on the inside, our inner person. Do we have a confident inner man on the inside of us? Do we walk with God and in the Spirit with confidence? How, do you, how are you at the moment? Like are, you walking, are you walking with confidence in that area of life? Because I believe like God wants every single one of us to grow and mature into a place where we walk confident in our identity, confident in who we are in Him. And He wants us to walk confident in our direction, where we're going in life with Him. Like when I think of Jesus, like He must have been the ultimate confident walker. Like not just actual, like it's a metaphor if you haven't figured out. Like Jesus walked as the most confident person that ever walked on planet Earth. He was on mission and he knew who he was. The father validated what he thought about his son and he gave him the mission for his son. And so therefore Jesus walked with confidence. He walked through life with confidence. And God's plan is that we would all walk through and journey through life with a deep-seated soul confidence despite our circumstances. We would walk with confidence. Despite our doubts, we could still walk with confidence, a deep-seated confidence of who we are, whose we are, and where we're going. That through, through fear, through trials and suffering, through doubt and disappointment, through the hard questions, through cultural pressures on us and our belief systems, God has called us to walk with a steadfast confidence on the inside of our soul through life. through parenting, with confidence, through our careers, with confidence, through all aspects of our life. Are we walking with a confidence? Now, this is, a, this is an area that we're growing, we're all growing in. This is not like, yep, tick, I've made it, I'll walk with confidence in life. But this morning, you know, 
we need to ask the, the million-dollar question about our confidence and how do we walk with God with confidence through life. The million-dollar question is, where do we get this confidence? Like, where do we get it? But like I said before, we don't get it from Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins, great. God bless him. Like, I don't know. Yeah, Tony Robbins, doing, I'm sure he's doing a great thing. But it's not Tony Robbins. It's not the external thin layer of confidence. It's not a self-projected confidence. It's not secular humanism that says we, we develop and dredge up the confidence within ourselves to be confident. You know, the world says, you know, you need to generate confidence on the inside of you. It's up to you to generate it on the inside of you. You've got to wake up. You've got to journal. There's all these videos on YouTube telling you how to have the perfect life and be minimal and all this kind of stuff, which is all great. It's all good. But we don't... Our confidence that I'm talking about this morning doesn't come from ourselves. We can't generate enough confidence in the spirit, in our soul to be confident. That stuff will run out. That stuff is limited. We'll, 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 we'll drain out and then we'll be not confident. We'll go from full to empty and we'll be back and forth. So where do we get this confidence? And I believe the greatest source of our confidence must come, should come, and does come from knowing and having a revelation and a continuous revelation and reminder to ourselves of our identity in Christ. That's where the source of our confidence comes from. All confidence comes from knowing who we are in Christ. And I believe this is the number one area that the enemy wants to chip at. It's the number one area where the enemy wants just to just to have a go at, wants to hammer at. He never wants you to get an understanding and a realization of who God says you are. I believe many of us struggle to walk with confidence because we have an incorrect idea of how God views us. See, a lack of confidence in our identity results in an insecure view of our relationship with God And if we don't walk confidently with our Father, we are bound to lack confidence. See, Jesus walked confidently because he walked with the Father. He walked with his Father. He knew what his Father thought of him, and he walked with the Father. But if we have an incorrect view that, you know, maybe we think that the Father doesn't want to walk with us, then we're going to lack confidence walking through life, not understanding that the Father wants to walk with you. I've got a scripture this morning that I think, there's so much scripture on this, it was really hard to kind of decide what scripture to pick out. Like most of the New Testament is on this, and there are so many great things that Paul says, but in 2 Corinthians 3, 7 to 18, it's going to be on the screen, it's a bit of a bigger scripture section, Um, but it's powerful, it's one of my favorite portions of scripture when it comes to our identity in Christ, and it says, and, and he's referring to... He's referring, he's referring to the Old Testament. He's refer, referring to the law of Moses. And uh, he says, Now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone. So he's talking about Moses, the Old Testament, the commandments. The ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone. Now these are harsh words. We've got to understand Paul is, like he's not holding back when he's talking about the Old Testament and the law. This is a full-on language. Like people of the day listening to this would have been like, this is radical. He says, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory. We all know the story of the, of the Ten Commandments and that it came with glory on the mountain. 
It came with fire. It came with smoke. It came with glory. Transitory though it was, because it was a temporal moment in the plan of God. It says, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if, it was transitory, and if that what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory that of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope. So what he's saying is he's saying Old Testament came with glory. It was great. God had a plan. God had something in mind there. Commandments came. Like that was, it was epic. The image of God moving was epic. But he's saying the moment that we are in now, post-cross, he's saying that had nothing. That had nothing compared to what is happening now. That which came with glory is nothing in compared to the, the glory and the goodness and what God has planned for each and every one of his children here right now. He's like, it's nothing in comparison. He says, therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. His confidence is coming from this. He's, thought, he's saying, we have a confidence in this. He says, we are not like Moses. And I mean, he's talking to some people that loved Moses. Like, Moses is great. Who, who doesn't love Moses? So it's like, we're not like Moses who put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. It says, but their minds were made dull for to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. Essentially what he's saying there is like, when we rely on our own works, we veil the work of God in our life. When we rely on our own righteousness, we veil the work of God in our life. And we, 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 and we lean on our own abilities rather than on His abilities. But their minds were made dull for this day. The same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses are read, a veil covers their hearts, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, there is freedom. And we all who with unfailed faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now that's a lot of scripture and it's like to unpack that would be I mean, we'd need someone like Pastor Keith or Bruce Kay who can unpack that like a master because they're master teachers. But I'll tell you what this means. Essentially what he's saying is he's saying a lot of us have a distracted walk. And our distraction in our walk is that we are sin-focused. That we are focused on our sin and our failures and the brokenness in our life, we are walking focused and looking at our sin and our brokenness in our life so much that we are not looking to the Lord. We are looking to our sin and our brokenness. And sometimes we are so focused on our sin and brokenness that we're like, you know what, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break that pattern in my life. 
I'm going I'm to do it. I've got the ability. I'm going to grit it out. I'm going to change my sin. And we are so sin-focused that we forget to be God-focused. We are so focused on our failures that we forget to be focused on his victory, on his success. We are so focused on our abilities to try and change our life and change our sin and change the brokenness or the circumstances in our lives that we're not looking to the Father. And he says, when you look to the Father... That is when freedom comes. That is where your confidence to come from. Are we relying on our own abilities in our life to change the things that need changing in our life? Or are we focused on the Father's ability? Or are we focused on what He has already done so that we can walk with confidence side by side with the Father? See, some of us think that in our brokenness and our sin, that God is looking down and He's pointing His finger. He's like, oh, I'm disappointed. You did it, you did it again. Why'd you do that again? Oh my goodness. Oh, God's walking around like this, you know. Just constantly just disappointed. Oh, gee. Oh. And we we have this view of God where, where He's far off and we're trying to work our way to kind of gain His favor. We're trying to work, get better, get more righteous get more holy and we're trying to work our way to the God, the, God's presence or something. No, God's like right there with you. In your, in your mistakes and in your sin, God's there like a good father with his hand on your back. He's saying, come on, I'm, you're better than this. You're be- I know you can do better. I am with you. I've paid the price. I defeated sin and death. I am with you. Pick yourself up. We're going to do this. We're going to walk. Come on. He's like, walk with me. And he picks us up and he walks with us through our brokenness and our sin. But sometimes we're so focused, we can't even tell that he's walking with us. We don't have an understanding that he's walking with us. But we've got to to become less sin-focused and become more focused on the finished work of the cross. Because you have the Spirit of God in you God calls you a child of God. And He has done everything on the cross to wipe away all of your sin. He has washed it away. He looks at you as a proud parent. He's like, that's my son. That's my daughter. I believe in you. You can do this. Yeah, we're going to fix some things in your life together. We're going to grow together. This is what the Father sounds like. We're going to walk together. You can walk confident because I'm with you. If God is for you, who can be against you? You might be walking through some doubt. God is with you. Be confident, not in your abilities to understand. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. Be confident in His finished work. Be confident in Him that He is a good Father. Even though we don't understand or we can't comprehend everything, Rest your let your confidence be in Him. Hebrews four sixteen says, "Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need." Jeremiah seventeen seven says, "But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him." Psalms twenty Psalm twenty verse seven says, "Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses." In other words, some trust in their own abilities to be right in God's eyes. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. 
We don't trust in our own abilities. We trust in His abilities. See, to walk with confidence, we need to know that our source of confidence is only found in Him. And in a weird kind of ironic way, our confidence, humility precedes confidence. That humility and confidence are like two sides of the one coin. And to be confident in our walk with Him, not confident like the world, thin layer of, I don't know, external macho or something, but to be confident in our walk with Him, we need to, we need to lay down our abilities in humility in order to walk in that confidence. We need to empty ourselves of confidence in ourselves, so that we can pick up and walk in the confidence of the Father. We walk confidently when we walk with Him. We need to take our eyes off our ability and fix our eyes on His ability. A self-generated confidence requires a self-sustained confidence. How do you come to a prayer meeting or church sometimes? Do you come with a defeated walk because, I don't know, maybe you yelled at your kids and do you come in, oh, God's not going to hear my prayers or something? No. No. It says, come boldly into the throne room of grace. Our growth and our confidence is directly related to the level that we allow humility to develop in our lives. It comes down to surrender. It's like, to be confident in my walk with Christ, I need to surrender to His finished work and the reality of the cross and the Word of God and the truth of God. I need to surrender my ideas for His ideas. This is what repentance is. See, confidence grows in the soil of humility. Confidence is the byproduct of humility. No confidence in me. This is the irony. It's not confidence in me, it's confidence in Him. That's when we can walk confidently. And as Pastor Nate said a couple of weeks ago, he says it's, it's not the superficial religious trappings of, I come to church, therefore I'm I come to church every week, therefore God must like me. No. It's not, God doesn't like you because you come to church every single week or because you read your Bible every single day or because you're really good at being holy and you don't smoke and you don't drink or something like that. No, no, no. He says it's His finished work at the cross. Our works, our abilities to try and make ourselves holy and righteous are like dirty rags to God. He's like, I sent my son, the perfect sacrifice to pay for your sin. He said, I sent my son, Jesus, so you can walk confidently in who I've called you to be. He says, you are a child of God. You are an heir. You're an heir of Christ. That's who he says you are. And the enemy wants to come along and distract us with all kinds of things. He says he's the accuser of the brethren. And it's like the enemy comes along and is like, how can you think that? How can you be so bold and you think that? Well, we need to put on the armor of God. We need to put on the belt of truth. We need to put on the helmet of salvation. We need to remind ourselves of what God says that we are. We need to look in the mirror. This mirror, the Word of God that says you are a child of God, whether you feel like it, whether you think like it, whether you're perfect or not, if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, He says you're a child. You should walk confidently in the fact that I paid for everything for you to walk confidently. That's what God says. So I just want to encourage you this morning, get into the Word of God. Get in Colossians, it says, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive in Christ. Your works didn't make you alive in Christ. God made you alive in Christ. 
He forgave us all of our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross and having disarmed the powers and authorities, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. He paid the bill. It's finished. He says, you can walk in confidence. Come talk to me. Approach me in confidence, God says. Ask what you need. Come to me. Run into the Father's arms. Do not run into your own abilities. Thanks for making time to hear this message today. We encourage you to connect with us by heading to c3victory.org.au. 